Well, welcome back, everybody, to Two Pastors and a Mic. I'm Shanik. And I'm Corey. And I just wanted to take a second here right up front to say thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. We have loved the feedback and just the people that let, let us know that, man, they've really appreciated this podcast and the resource that we are offering. So thank yeah. you. And if you can't leave a review, uh, share it on your social media, share it with somebody personally in a text. We appreciate that as well. Yeah, would love that. So Corey, man, what's the question of the week? Well, I go to Disney tomorrow for the first time with my kids. I got a six and a four-year-old. They're super excited. We're going with my wife's family and it's going to be amazing. I can't, I can't wait. I think I might be more excited than my kids. But with that happening tomorrow, what is your favorite ride or theme park? And I'll well, go here's first. the deal. I want you to go first because I have never been to Disney. I've been to theme park, so I have an answer, but yeah. I have never experienced Disney and my kids have never experienced it. And we have no plans to ever take our kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't been to Disney in like over a decade, so I'm not going to speak from that perspective. But for me, growing up in Michigan, we went to Cedar Point, which is in my oh, opinion, yeah. I've is been. The greatest theme park of all time. For the record, just so you know, I was the first public paying customer to ride the Millennium Force in 2000 when it came out. I was 13 years old. I was part of that first public crew. It was at the time Dude, the tallest Millennium Force is the tallest, awesome. fastest roller coaster ride in the world. Wait, is that the one that shoots you just straight up? No. Nope, and that, you curve at nope, the top and back down? No. Nope. No. This okay. is the Millennium Force. Like it was, I think, like a 90 degree drop okay. and it was just insane. But that's not my favorite ride. My favorite ride at Cedar Point is the Magnum and it's old school, bro. Little rocky. You 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 have back problems when you're done riding the ride. And that's my favorite. The Magnum. Everything at the at, at, at Cedar, Ceder Point's Point awesome. Is, yeah. Is I've been. It is awesome. Man, roller coaster capital of the world, yeah. I believe, or at least one time it was. Now for me, I'm gonna go old school too. And I'm gonna say the beast at Kings Island, Cincinnati. And the same thing. It I think when it opened, it was known as the fastest, longest wooden roller coaster in the world. Mm. But because it was wooden, a wooden roller coaster, man, it would bounce you all around. Like it had warnings all over it, like not responsible for like neck problems. If you're pregnant, <laughs> do not ride this ride, like that kind of roller coaster. But just for me, it's like the nostalgia. Like I remember going there as a young kid and not really loving roller coasters because my dad took me on one at Six Flags in St. Louis. And I was like eight, nine years old. And we went on the Ninja. Oh my God, I remember this just now. It went in a loop upside down and he like ruined roller coasters for me till I was about 16 years old because I was scared to death because that he, I, he didn't tell me what it was about. And I go upside down and I'm freaking out, but the beast doesn't go upside down, got back on it. I overcame my fear of roller coasters, but really it's just uh, one of those things where I look back and like being 15, 16 years old, being at Kings Island, like I remember like, man, this is like the most amazing place in the world. It's huge. Like expansive and it's like this ho whole like other world and a town to itself but yeah just being at that impressionable age and riding the beast and being like man this is the coolest thing ever now looking back and there's been so many greater roller coasters like the ones at um, cedar point but man for me yeah man it's uh the beast love it the beast because you think you're the beast now well no i don't think so <laughs> well what are you talking about today well, perfect segue, because of course, last week we were kind of talking about our cognitive biases and you just heard one of mine mentioning the beast as my favorite roller coaster. And I might even say it 
it will go down as one of the greatest of all time, even though probably it's not. But right. based on my experience, that's the truth that I believe today. And, you know, we had that conversation last week, which I think was a great conversation. We've already heard some great feedback. It was great food for thought for a lot of people. But we want to have this um, this conversation today uh, around race and really what's happening in the climate of our culture right now. And we want to do it because, of course, we talked about how in a cognitive bias, the solution to overcoming those biases is to have an open mind. Mm -hmm. And what I see is things are so divisive right now. They're so, what's the word, polarizing, mm -hmm. where people are on the oppo opposite ends of the spectrum and they're not budging. They're not moving. And tension, man, is rising. And I know people feel it. I know you feel it. I feel it. And so we just want to talk about this idea with, with race and coming at it with an open mind. So we, we yeah. can maybe overcome some of those yeah. cognitive and be, biases and before, we have. Before you roll your eyes and turn us off, if you're done with this conversation, I think this episode is for you because the reality is, is we want to be a part of the solution. We want to be a part of the conversation, especially as two white pastors in a, we pretty much live in a white world, yeah. a white, white affluent world, affluent rural world. Right. And we can be so trapped in our cognitive bias that we're not even willing to listen to a perspective. Right. We because be we don't maybe not have a lot of experience yeah. because we are in a rural white area. And yeah. so we just don't have those experiences. So they're not part of our makeup that that creates maybe what what truth really is and what really is happening. And so we're blinded to some things, I think. So I think this will be good just for, for you yeah. and I to kind of talk this through. And yeah, listen, just, just listen. Just we're just going to share some perspective. Have an open mind. Have if you listen last mind. week, have an open mind this yeah. week. Have an open mind. Just really maybe sit in some of the things that we're going to share, some of the quotes, some of the things that we've studied over the last year, because I was ignorant to this conversation. And I've even wrote a couple blogs over the last year called Racism, Racism is a Pandemic. And I got some negative feedback from white people that don't really have any black friends or weren't willing to sit in the in the uncomfortableness of the conversation and learn just yeah. from a different perspective. And and I was told, oh, you're just adding to the division. Well, by telling people to stop dividing without addressing the real issues that actually cause division, that creates more division. And so you're telling specific people groups that their experiences don't matter when you say, oh, oh quit adding to the division. And we tend to be blind to the racism that actually exists because it doesn't apply to us yeah. as white people. And not that we have all the answers or not that we get it right all the time. But at the end of the day, we want to be a part of contributing to this conversation. And yeah. so we really appreciate you listening and you leaning in um, to, to everything that we have to share. And again, we're not saying that we have all the answers, but we definitely want us to have an open mind and we want to help you have an open mind as well. Well, I used to sit in the boat of... Uh, agreeing with your typical white response of, hey, just don't resist arrest. In fact, don't even do stuff that requires an arrest. Right. And adding to that part of the conversation uh, over the last three or four years, I've been learning a lot of, of, of my own ignorance in that conversation and how hurtful that is without addressing the real issues. And so we have to acknowledge our bias, especially as white people in this conversation. And as white people, we can't pretend to be interested in the racism conversation and then dismiss the claims of racism by black people. Y you just can't. 
And if I'm not aware of the barriers that my black brothers and sisters face, I will not see them, much less be motivated to remove them, nor will I be motivated to remove the barriers if they provide an advantage to which I feel entitled to. And that's a big deal. Right. And can I stop you and just ask, like, what has helped you? You said you went through a three or four year process and we're talking about, you know, removing some of these barriers, right? If we don't even know them. So what was your process to kind of being exposed maybe to some of these barriers that that you've seen? Well, to be honest, I have a couple black friends that I didn't engage in conversation with, but the conversation didn't start until we planted that campus in 2008 mm-hmm. in the West End. Right. And uh, so again, I was on the other side of the conversation of, uh, you know, defending my white bias. And so in the knobs, our white, rural, affluent church campus, we have a police officer that's there every single week. And he's in uniform, the car is parked out front, and white people feel more safe when he's present right. or she's present. Right. In the West End, we had the same thing until we were told. If you want people to show up, put the cop car hidden and have him not in uniform. Right. And I remember being a part of that conversation going, why? What's what's the big deal? And that was the first exposure to me where I was like, wow, these are two different worlds where white people feel safety when they see a, an officer and black people do not. Right. And that's an issue. Yeah. And I remember being out front on the steps of our St. Cecilia campus down in the West End and I remember there were some 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 black families that that walked by and some kids that walked by and seeing the cops there, they were like, wow, what's happening here? And they just like walked on by. But when they were in plain clothes and they weren't visible, they actually came up to the steps and talked to us. A few of them even came in. Yep. And so that was a huge eye opener for me too, to realize, man, right here is a picture of a little bit of the yeah. differences in in the cultures and how how they perceive you know, and, and even if you have an opinion about that or, oh, that's blah, 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 you're going to speak from your cultural ignorance by having an opinion on that. That Even if you disagree with it, it's still a reality. And that's what many people are trying to address on that reality shouldn't be. Yeah. And, you know, in 2017, we got involved with my now black son. And again, this was a world I didn't know when... You know, at the time he would cut his knee and I would get out the band-aids that said flesh colored band-aids and the only flesh color in the box were white people, tan people. Right. And it's not flesh colored for Henry. And I'm like, huh, that's that's interesting. Trying to go find hair product and recognizing that, you know, hair product it, it, where it says hair care, black people hair care is not in hair care. It's in a different aisle called ethnic hair care. And I understand the differences and why that is. But that was eye-opening for me. I, I never saw those things. And again, I'm not necessarily saying that they're bad things or, or aren't helpful. I wasn't aware of those differences, of those realities until I was in it. Yeah. And that was just an uh, the beginning uh, of my experiences where I was started to remove my blindness to the conversation. Right. And not just removing the blindness, but actually starting to show empathy where, yeah. where we have those conversations now with people of color and we we begin to ask them questions you know why why is this your perception or why is this reality for you why does this hurt so much for you if i say this does that come across as something that is racist even if i didn't intend for it yeah. to be 
that way. And so I think the key that what you just mentioned and kind of being aware of this is the conversation piece. And we know a, a lot of people are open to have that conversation. They would love to have that conversation because it removes some of these barriers and the division that they have felt for a long time. Yeah. You maybe said it, their whole life. You said it perfectly, empathy. And many white people miss empathy because they're willing to have the conversation, but just, just to try to prove the other person wrong or prove their side right. And well, when we say have the conversation, have the conversation with a willing attitude to listen, to have an open mind, to not give your feedback, to sit in it, to chew on what is said, even if you disagree with it, yeah. to show some empathy. And we do not do a great job of showing empathy as the white American Christian people. And so why is, if we're hard at showing empathy, why do we initially respond with fear and anger? And why can't we, uh, why can't we refuse to see, or why, why do we refuse to see the change that needs to happen? And that's kind of like what we're talking about in this conversation is again, we're not going to say, Hey, Oh, stop being racist. This isn't, we're not labeling people or pointing fingers. We're saying as white people, we have to have empathy. Right. And because most people aren't racist, right? Yeah. They're just used to what they're used to. And it's back to that idea of this cognitive bias because of the experience, because of their upbringing, because they were taught something, right? Racism isn't taught or racism isn't um, taught. It's wait, what am I trying to say? No, racism is taught, yeah. right? It's not just something people are born with. Yeah. And so it's this idea of year after year, experience after experience, if they've been exposed to that kind of mentality, then, then they sometimes have just different tendencies that or is just a bias to them and they don't even realize they might have that bias. Yeah. And so most people though, I would say aren't racist. They're just used to what they're used to. Yeah. And it, and being a product of your culture is not your fault, but not examining that further as you age and grow up is your fault. And so just a couple quotes here real quick. Um, Ijoma Aluo said this in his book. Um, so you want to talk about race. He said, people of color are not asking white people to believe their experiences so that they will fear the police as much as people of color do. They're asking because they want white people to join them in demanding their right to be able to trust the police like white people do. That's an interesting thing. Mm. And again, this was exposed in our church policing in two different, completely different areas and how, wow, that's a reality. Do, do you think it's right? Do you disagree? Do you want to have opinion on it? Regardless of how you want to respond, it's still a reality and that should be addressed. Uh, T.D. Jake said this last year during the George Floyd thing. I, I never forgot it. I, I wrote it down. He said, we're not asking not to be arrested. We're asking not to be tried on the sidewalk. Mm. And that is, we do have two different Americas. And it was Again, why we're having this conversation is, you know, the, the stuff that happened in Minnesota just this past week where you have a, a black guy shot and killed. And then you have literally the next day, a white guy who had a aggravated assault in a grocery store, hit a police officer with a hammer and um, flees the scene in, flees the truck. The scene in a truck with Cops a cop hanging, hanging on. on, never shot, never tased. And just the day before, uh, the lady kills that black guy and thought that she had a taser and shot him. And it's like, okay, we're not here to talk about the the details of it, uh, all this. We're here to acknowledge there are two different Americas. And that's a tension that we have to wrestle with. And those are biases that we have to address. Lecrae says it this way. I love it. He says, don't feel guilty 
just acknowledge that racism exists. Not saying, he's not saying that white people are driving the boat of racism that creates the waves, but just to acknowledge that there are waves. Right. And I think that's important because when we have this t conversation around racism, white people tend to be defensive because they're like, oh, so you're calling me a racist? No, 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 no one's calling you a racist. We just want you to acknowledge that racism is real and we can be a part of the problem by bringing solutions to the conversation. Right, and I love how you said, don't feel guilty. Yeah. Like you shouldn't feel guilty because of the color you are. Like, don't feel guilty, just acknowledge. And so again, it's that empathy piece. It's, well, man, we've said it probably five or six times in different episodes. It's like that that thing on listening to understand, not just listening to respond, mm -hmm. which what mo is what most people do. They just want to respond to, you know, to, to, to some um, issue with their bias. No, mm -hmm. they always feel like they have to give a defense. Man, just acknowledge, mm -hmm. put the defenses down, Stop feeling guilty and just acknowledge that there's some things happening that shouldn't be happening. Shouldn't be happening. Yeah. And so we have four things on what you can do. And we recognize that most of our audience is probably white. And so, yeah, we're speaking to you white people. Here's what you can do in this conversation. Here's how you can bring some solutions. Because again, we don't want to just talk about the problems at hand without giving us, myself included, because I have to apply these four things as well without giving us some real tangible things to work on, to think through, to have an open mind. And the first one is this, is, is learn the language. Okay, now you might gonna be offended or you, you probably will be offended by what I, I just say and I'm gonna say it, but we, we can't be offended as white people of the phrases like white privilege or black lives matter. And, and I get that there's a difference between the organization and the phrase. I'm talking about the phrase, okay? White people, we cannot be offended by the phrase black lives matter because they're not saying that all lives don't matter. We're saying that there's an issue with our black brothers and sisters and it needs to be addressed. And for the record, when people, which are typically your middle-class white Americans respond with all lives matter, I would argue that you don't even believe that because you have an opinion on uh, immigration. You have an opinion on the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. So if you don't vote pro gay rights, then you are you cannot claim all lives matter in a response because then that the, what yeah. you're really saying is all people, all lives matter that look like me and believe like me. You can't you can't defend the amendment of freedom of religion if you're not okay with Muslims having the ability to build mosques on American soil because it's freedom of religion. religion. Right. And so we have to be uh, okay with the language learning because if they trigger you, welcome to what our black brothers and sisters have been dealing with their whole lives, their whole lives. And right. and, and I, you mentioned I, Black Lives Matter, but you also said first, like even the phrases like white privilege. And I know so many people get upset and offended by that. And it's not that they're saying that you haven't worked hard for what you have. Yeah. It's not that that, that that phrase means you've just, you know, been given handouts your entire life to get to where you're at. And that's how people take it though. Wait, what do you mean? I got here by my own self. Mm -hmm. Like I worked hard. I put myself through college. I worked three jobs and paid off those student loans. Like I did all these things. You can't tell me that I have privilege, but they're not saying you didn't do all those things and didn't work hard, but they're just saying that there might be some disadvantages for some people of color. That's yeah. all that they're saying. So yeah. would you just listen and acknowledge that they might have a harder time with the same set of facts and circumstances than you've had in your life. Yeah. And just sit in, sit in that and, yeah. and just hear them out and have some empathy for how they feel yeah. and what they're going through. Yeah. All lives don't experience hatred. And so it's, 
again, privilege is learning about racism and not experiencing racism. And that's like the best definition I can get you because that was eye-opening for me. Like, man, I get the privilege of learning about racism over the, what the last year I dove into tons of books and I'll give you some recommendations at the end of this podcast of where I've been even on my journey. But I had the privilege of learning about these experiences from way back even in history instead of having to experience these circumstances and situations. And that's a big deal. Number two is this, listen. Again, we've been talking about having an open mind. Listen, Mm -hmm. ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is a problem. And so when people have an opinion on the race conversation but aren't willing to do the work to learn about the history of our country and where different things have turned and how we have replaced uh, racist verbiage with verbiage that is acceptable but still racist, that's an issue. If you don't know about redlining in our communities and mm-hmm. cities and how that played effect, if, if you're not aware of some of these things, that if you're not aware of what happened in Tulsa in what, 1920, what, what was the exact date? Do you remember? Yeah. No, not, no, but Tulsa, there's Rosewood. Rosewood, um, yeah. But yeah, even the redlining thing, let's just go there for just a minute because people might not take the time to look that up. But basically there have been government sanctioned studies that have been done um, in the early 20th century to redline districts in major U.S. cities that businesses would use to say, don't don't move your businesses to these locations. And so, you know, they would call them, you know, wastelands. There would be food deserts, like don't put corporations, companies in these areas. And they tended to be, you know, more um, more populated by African-American, the African-American mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. And so, so that I means it's a real thing. Yeah. And I didn't know about it until a couple of years ago. I was like blown away. The third one is this, is don't let your discomfort cause you to disengage. Mm-hmm. And this is real because so many times we're like, oh, you, I've had the conversation with people. I see the problem. What can I do? And usually my first response is, well, it, what, what did we say last week? Uh, enlarge your circle. Get yeah. some black friends right. or get some black perspective. Yeah. And not just black friends. Can I just go here for a minute? Because a lot of times when this conversation of race comes up, people automatically say, well, I got a few black friends, Yeah. but then it's like, okay, let's define friend then. Yeah. Like, have you had them over to your home for dinner? Yeah. Have you-, <laughs> you been in their home? Do you do life together? That yeah. is a friend, not, you know, oh, I know somebody that's cube- cubicles know down in the workplace. Works, yeah. Right. And in you the see warehouse. them, you might work with them, but you're at work and you're engaged in work and you have no opportunity to really gauge, engage in meaningful conversation. So that's mm-hmm. when we say enlarge your circle, you know, get some friends of different ethnicities, colors, backgrounds, cultures. That's what I think we mean by that. And just sit in the discomfort. Allow yourself to be uncomfortable for a season because that tension only only causes growth. Yeah, and I will just say this for me as a pastor, especially the lead pastor of this place, there are times where I just want to disengage because it is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I don't know all the answers. I don't have you know, maybe proper perspective on how I should handle it and how I should lead this, lead this community. So there have been times where I've kind of backed away from the conversation and disengaged a little bit. So this is that, that sometimes is our natural default, right? Mm -hmm. Is when things are uncomfortable, when we don't understand something, we just don't want to go there. We'll just kind of stay away from that and we'll focus on other areas. And I know that's kind of been for me, but it's one of the reasons why we decided to go ahead and do this podcast this week because it's relevant. It's what's happening in America. It's what hap- it's what hap- it's happening in our community, you know, and and how our black brothers and sisters are feeling this enormous weight and tension right now. We want to be for them. We want to let them know 
that we're for them. And at least we're engaging in this conversation for us to begin to think through what they're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's important. all about empathy. And the last one, number four, stand up for what is right. It's one thing to hate racism. It's another thing to condemn it when you hear it in front of you. And this has been something that's been hard for me to do, to, to challenge, okay, that joke is not funny anymore. That you can't say those statements. I have a hard time sometimes stepping up when I hear it in my own presence. Yeah. And so I hate racism, but I'm not, I have not done a great job of condemning it every time it's said or something is said in front of me. And I'm not saying that those people are racist, but we have to be uncomfortable with racist jokes or racist statements or things that we just grew up with because we always grew up with it without realizing that they were wrong ideologies. Right. And so those are the four things that you can do. Learn the language, listen, don't let your discomfort cause you to disengage and stand up for what is right. Because at the end of the day, we all are the human race. We all are. Yes, there is one race. Right. But human beings don't see it that way. And so if there is a part of us that is crying out for help, it would be wrong for us to ignore it. Right. And of course, as believers and followers of Jesus, we believe that every person is created in the image and likeness of God. Yeah. Every person, regardless of background, culture, you know, um, whatever, yeah. race. Well, you just said there's one race, yeah. the human race. Which is know true. I mean. And but so, we, yeah. We as humans. But, but realize that, man, everybody is created in the image and likeness of God and everybody is worthy of love. So that's why we want to listen. That's why we want to, you know, engage in this conversation. That's why we want to stand up for what is right. So here's some resources as we close. Uh, these are some, okay, I'm going to give you first the books that I've actually read myself and not just highlighted a couple things and not spark notes. Like I've read mm -hmm. these books. The Third Option by Miles McPherson. He's a pastor in San Diego. It's a great book on police reconciliation with black people. And he has tons of police officers and black people from his church. They've started an organization that is amazing because again, we're not anti-police. Right. We are for yeah, some police love, reform. Yeah. But there, it we needs to have a conversation. Lives. So if black people tend to be scared of police, then it's our job as a community to right that wrong. Yeah. Even We've if been it's given from, the ministry yeah. of reconciliation. Even if to it's make a things right. <laughs> cultural, culturally passed down. Like, yeah, we have to make it right. So the third option, great book. The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. It was, talks about the mass incarceration. It's fascinating. Didn't know that stuff. Uh, I'm Still Here by Austin Channing Brown. Great book. So you want to talk about race by... Um, Imoja or Ajimo, Ijimo, Amua. You said it right Amua. the first time. I said so it right the first whatever time. Whatever it is, yeah, you got it. White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. Me and White Supremacy by Layla Sad. Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man by Emmanuel Acho, who's now all, he was on The Bachelor doing the host. Um, he's all over sports shows now. Um, here's books that I want to read that are on my to-do uh, reading list. The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. White Awake by Daniel Hill, One Blood, John Perkins, How Black is the Gospel, Tom Skinner, The Color of Compromise, Jamar Tisby, I already said that, uh, How to Be Less Stupid About Race, Crystal Fleming, Right Color, Wrong Culture, Brian Loritis, um, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together at the Cafeteria by Beverly Tatum, uh, How to Be Anti-Racist by Ibram Kendi, and Divided by Faith by Emerson. And so those are some books you know, a if lot you of, care a lot, a lot but listen, I'm, le I'm listening. One. I'm learning in the conversation. Engage yourself. You, there's no reason for you to be ignorant anymore. And if you're not willing to at least learn from a different perspective, then I would say that that's part of the problem. 
Uh, there's also some documentaries and movies yeah. if if you want to watch those. If you rather watch, Just Mercy was a great one. Thirteenth, which talks about the Thirteenth Amendment. Amendment. Yeah. Uh, the Khalif Browder case, crazy documentary. Um, I'm not your Negro. Uh, again, a great documentary. Let the fire burn and the weather underground. Um, movies on transracial adoption, Black, White, and Us, The Wiz, School Days, Malcolm X, Coming to America. All of these resources can give you different perspectives and knowledge for the conversation so that you can wake up to the reality of what many of our Black brothers and sisters are dealing with because we believe in unity and unity only happens when we address the things that divide. Right, right. And I think it's part of how we show love. Yeah. Right. So gain some empathy this week. Learn, learn the language, listen, don't let your discomfort cause you to disengage and stand yeah, up for it, what is right. It's good. Thank you for just listening and allowing us to engage in this conversation. Hopefully you were blessed. Hopefully you got something out of it. And hopefully you will continue to have an open mind to fight that cognitive bias that we all tend to have. Yeah. So outside of that, you're loved and there's nothing you can do about it. 